Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective and today we're looking at chapters 22 and 23 and 24 of The Maze Runner. So where we left off, all that shit was going down in the maze. Where Thomas was stuck in the maze with Minnow and Albie, Albie was passed out, then he (sighs) tied Albie up in some vines and was swinging around on some vines. Anyway, all the grievers were chasing after them and he came up with this brilliant idea to just like run in a different direction than what the Grievers were expecting. And Minnow was like, oh my God, that's given me a brilliant idea. Let's run them off the cliff. And then they went and did so. So you know what? Thrilling couple of chapters. I got to give it to James Dashner. I I was on board very briefly. You just watch, I'm going to be back in the this book sucks camp very soon. Well, I don't know. Well, let's see. Let's get into it. And so we start chapter 22 and it says a half hour passed. Okay, D- do any of these people have watches? I don't believe they do, and yet we're getting very specific timestamps. And now that half an hour had passed, Thomas had finally stopped crying, although neither of them had moved an inch. And he couldn't help, now that he stopped crying, wondering what Minnow would think of him or if he'd tell others, calling him a sissy. I don't like how they always think sissy is this big giant insult. They throw that word around and I'm not super comfortable with it. Like in a world where people are getting attacked by grievers, there's a maze, you don't know what's going on. You've got no memory of things. Being called a sissy is still the worst thing ever. Like what? You just fought four grievers, like calm down. And despite his lack of memory, he was sure he'd just been through the most traumatic night of his life. And James Dashner, he just does this all the time, doesn't he? Where he says, despite his memory loss, he knew that this was the most annoying person he'd ever met. Despite his memory loss, he knew that fry pans cooking was the worst thing he's ever had. Despite his memory loss, he was absolutely confident that being a runner was the best thing in the world. But you know what? For this one, this being the most traumatic note of his life, despite losing his memory, I'll allow it because it was pretty traumatic. Although that cliche that he, you know, keeps going back to, it's, it's wearing out its welcome. And so now that it's dawn, it's getting a bit lighter. So he's sticking his head over the cliff again to try and see what's going on. But he still can't see anything. Even with the ever increasing light, he couldn't tell what was down there. It seemed as if the maze was perched on a structure several miles above the ground. And he's thinking, that's crazy. That can't be. It has to be an illusion. Like, it's not the craziest thing you've seen in the past couple of days, but yeah, yeah, it is crazy. And so he says to Minnow, oh, can't believe we're still alive. How about that? And Minnow's just like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. He doesn't respond. He's just like, whatever. And then he says, are there more of them? Did we just kill them all? And Minnow's like, he goes, look, we made it to sunrise. 
If it weren't for Sunrise, we might have had 10 more on our butts before long. I, I, I actually can't believe it. We made it through the whole night. Never been done before. Okay, he said a lot of words there, but he didn't actually answer Thomas's question. He just said, are there more of them? Did we just kill them all? And he went on and on about Sunrise and Sunset, doing the whole Cats in the Cradle song. And it's like, you know, just say, yeah, probably. And Thomas is like, well, what did we do differently? And he goes, I don't know. It's kind of hard to ask a dead guy what he did wrong. Yeah, they've just been through something traumatic together. You'd think he'd be a little bit nicer, but he's being very dismissive. I mean, Thomas is annoying as all hell. Like, even if I weren't up all night running around a maze, swinging on vines, fighting grievers, I'd be annoyed with someone being that chatty in the morning. Like, it's, it's not even full sunrise yet. Can you please just stop it with the questions? Let me have my morning cuppa. But Thomas doesn't get the hint. He's like, yeah, it sort of seems like the Grievers just disappeared or something after they went over the edge. And Thomas is like, yeah, I know, it's kind of psycho. Couple of Gladers had a theory that other things had disappeared, but we proved them wrong. What, so he's, he's answering his question, but not really? Like, what the fuck does that mean, Minnow? And then Thomas watched as Minnow tossed a rock over the cliff, then followed its path with his eyes, and it went down and down, not leaving his sight until it grew too small to see. And then he's like, okay, what does that prove? And Minnow says, well, the rock didn't disappear now, did it? Did it not? I mean, it disappeared from sight. And Minnow says, maybe they're magic. Because the grave has disappeared, they think it's magic. I mean, things disappear when they fall off of a cliff eventually, unless you've got supervision. But the implication is there's some sort of portal or something. Oh gosh, I don't know. I don't know how throwing a teeny tiny rock off a cliff's gonna prove a point, but all right. So they're just sitting there having a chat, running experiments, and then he goes, ah, well, better go and get Albie off of the wall. And Minnow's like, what? And he goes, yeah, Albie, he's he's up on the wall in the vines. And Minnow's like, what? No, he's probably not still alive. And Thomas is like, well, I mean, I tied him up, but sure, let's go. How are they only just now remembering Albie? And Thomas, he now has a theory because, you know, he's been here for weeks and weeks. You know, he's had a lot of experience in the glade. So now he has a theory and he says, wait a minute. Albie was only stuck with one of the needles. We don't really know what's going to happen to him if we don't stick him with the serum. Everyone else has just always died by the grievers anyway at night. So this is sort of new territory. And Minnow goes, yeah, you're right. I mean, people have been stung in the day and then we've given them the serum. And they're the ones that went through the changing. The poor shucks who got stuck out in the maze all night weren't found until later, days later sometimes. And all of them were killed in ways you don't want to hear about. Like, okay, Minnow, I think he can imagine the ways that they were killed, considering he's seen four different grievers and he was in that situation like three hours ago. So you know what? Like, I think he could imagine it, Minnow. And Minnow goes, wait a minute. Oh, we've been wrong. Oh, well, hopefully we've been wrong. But because no one who'd been stung and didn't make it back by sunset has ever survived, we just assumed that was the point of no return when it's too late to get the serum. It's like, what? Thomas just said that. Was he listening? Was he doing that thing where you're only half listening and then you think about it and then you think it's your idea and you're like, oh my God, I have an idea. But it's like, Thomas just said that. So then Minnow leads the way back to the wall where Albie is. And Thomas says, okay, this serum. I've heard it a couple of times now. What is that? And just where does it come from? And Minnow, who's now giving no fucks, he says, it's just what it sounds like, Shank. 
It's a serum, the grief serum. Oh no, not another named serum. I'm getting divergent flashbacks. What is it with these YA novels and their love affair with serums? No, enough, enough. Now you're calling it a grief serum. I, I know it's because you call the monsters the grievers, but who came up with these things? A grief serum, that's not catchy. And of course it's a proper noun, capital G, capital S. That's the given at this point. And Thomas asks, he says, why are the grievers called grievers anyway? And Minnow says, I don't know. We got the names from somewhere, but the serum comes from the creators. Well, that's what we call them at least. It's with the supplies in the box every week, always has been. It's a medicine or antidote or something. And it comes already inside a medical syringe ready to use. Oh my God, I don't know if you heard that, but my Alexa just started playing Harry Styles randomly. Like, I didn't say anything that sounded like Alexa, please play Harry Styles, did I? I didn't touch my phone. I, I, I'm podcasting. How the fuck did, th- have one of my neighbors like hacked into my Alexa? What is going on? That like shocked me. I Talking about grievers and grief serum and then all of a sudden I'm hearing this, so- this sound. I was starting to think my place was haunted, but it was just Harry Styles. Oh, what a moment that was. Okay, um, all right, well, let's get back to it. Jeez Louise, I'm a little unsettled. Anyway, we were talking about the serum, how it just comes up in um, needles, ready for them to just shoot people up. And this is why I'm thinking that maybe the serum is what's creating the changing. They seem to imply that the changing is a side effect of the serum, which is like necessary, but it has to counteract death from being stung by a griever or something. I think it's all bullshit. I think the creators are playing silly buggers with you. And I don't know why you would trust that this just random needle will do the trick. These boys who have woken up with half a memory in a maze that they can't escape, they're very trusting, aren't they? They just believe that the creators are looking out for their best interest. No, that serum's probably dodgy as fuck. Stop using the serum, the grief serum, of course. And so then they're just walking through the maze and Thomas is processing the information and he's thinking about the changing and then he's thinking about the girl. He's obsessed with Coma Girl. Never met her, never had a chat with her, but he's obsessed with her. And Minnow's thinking, well, you know what? It is weird. I don't know why we all think that we can't use the serum on Albie to save him a few hours later than we normally would. We somehow got it into our heads that once the door closed, you were done, end of story. But maybe the serum will still work. Yeah, who said that there was a time limit on the serum? Also, this isn't your idea. This was Thomas's idea. He brought it up a few minutes ago. And also who else has been in this situation before? No one. Everyone else who was stung and then got stuck inside the maze died anyway. So it's all a bit of a moot point until now. And Thomas is like, well, we should probably still, I don't know, hurry up and see if he's okay because there were grievers out there, you know. And Minnow's like, yeah, yeah, this way, let's go. And so then they turn a corner and they see Newt up ahead with a group of gladers. They're at the west door. And Newt, he's like, holy shit. So he limps over and he goes, what happened? How in the bloody hell? And Thomas goes, we'll tell you later. Okay, now who's not answering questions? Oh, the first opportunity he got, he shot someone down, didn't he? Like he's been bitching and moaning that no one would answer his questions. The first time someone asks him something and he's like, no, nah. <laughs> he just stonewalled him. Oh, I love that. He says, we have to save Albie. And Newt's like, what? What do you mean? He's alive. And Thomas is like, no time to explain, just come. So they go to the spot where he, tied Albie up into all those vines. 
and he's still there, all in one piece, but no sign of movement. Those are some strong ass vines. And Newt, he asks another question and he goes, is he alive? And Thomas is like, oh, I don't know. Was when I left him up there. And Newt's like, when you left him, what? You and Minnow, get your butts inside and get yourselves checked by the medjacks. You look bloody awful. And I want the whole story when they're done and you're rested up. You'd think he'd be like happier to see his friend still alive, but he seems pissed off. And Thomas was like about to complain. And Minnow goes, look, mate, we need sleep and bandages now. Let's go. So then they walk out of the maze. Not as much fanfare as I expect Thomas was hoping. But as they're walking through the glade and back to the homestead, there's just an endless row of gladers gawking at them. And Thomas knew it was because they'd accomplished something that had never been done before. But he was embarrassed by the attention. Sure you were, Thomas. Sure you were. And then he spots Gally. And Gally's like, ugh. And it took all of his willpower to look Gally directly in the eyes without breaking eye contact. And when he got within five feet of him, then Gally looked away. And oh, that made Thomas feel good. What is this standoff that he's got with Gally? They had one bad interaction and now he's just holding a grudge. Poor Gally. And so the next few minutes were a blur. They're in the homestead. They're getting looked at by medjacks. He catches a glimpse of someone feeding the comatose girl through a barely ajar door. And he felt this incredibly strong urge to go and see her, to go and check on her. Let it go, mate. Like, yeah, obviously you and her know each other from before you got your memory wiped. But in this point in time, in this reality, you don't know her and you need to let it go. So then he's being put into a bed and he's about to fall asleep, but two things wouldn't leave his mind. First, the word wicked that he saw written over both beetle blades. So he's assuming that they're two separate beetle blades. It could be the same beetle blade, but he, he thinks it's two separate beetle blades, both called wicked. And the other thing, the other thing was the girl. Like, oh my God, you're a bit of a creep, Thomas. And then hours later, could be days later for all he knew, because again, he doesn't have a watch. Chuck was there shaking him awake. And Thomas is like, wow, what's going on? Let me sleep, you shank. And Chuck says, oh, I just thought you'd want to know, that's all. And Thomas is like, all right, you hooked me. No, what? What are you talking about? And he says, he's alive. Albie's okay. The serum worked. Uh, I don't trust that serum. And Thomas is like, oh, that's so nice. And then Chuck says, he's just started the changing. And then Thomas is like, rot roll. And as if brought on by the words, a blood chilling scream erupted from a room down the hall. And that's the end of that chapter. So we go to chapter 23. And Thomas is thinking about Albie. He's thinking it had been such a victory to retrieve him from the maze, but had it been worth it? What? Like, yes, I guess it has been worth it. But he's worried that he's going to become as psychotic as Ben because of the changing. I don't know though, it's still worth it. Who made you God, Thomas? And twilight fell upon the glade, but everybody could still hear Albie screaming. Yeah, if someone started screaming and writhing in pain after shooting him up with a serum, I'd start to be a bit suspicious of the serum. And Thomas had asked Newt to go and see Albie. And Newt's like, no, mate. Like, what? He's going through a changing. And Thomas is like, oh, well, I did save his life. But he was too tired to put up a real fight. So he just goes and wanders off to sit at the cemetery again, at the Deadheads. That's his favorite little spot for reflection. And he's just feeling about how sore his body is. He's aching from head to toe. 
and the emotional weight of what he'd been through was just weighing down on him. And he's just thinking about how shitty the situation in the Glade is. He says, how could anyone ever be happy in a life like this? How could anyone be evil enough to do this to us? Is anyone else getting the vibe that like Thomas is in on it? Like Thomas is part of the evil corporation or whatever that's put them there. I don't know. That's the vibe I'm getting. Just because of what Ben said and how Gally treats him. Everyone who's been through the changing hates Thomas. And it must be for a reason, right? So we'll see how Albie starts to react towards him. And I just think it's ironic because he's thinking for the first time he felt a hunger to get revenge on the people responsible for sending him there. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking you're in on it. It's just like dramatic irony to be mad at yourself. I don't know, we'll see. That's just one of my crazy theories. But then he's like, you know what? This is my life now. I'm a glider. (laughs) I live in a giant maze surrounded by hideous beasts. Them's the breaks. Eventually, night comes, the doors close. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And oh my God, we get this line again. Thomas had no memory of his life before the box, but it was positive. He'd finished the worst 24 hours of his existence. All right, enough. That's like the fourth time now. Enough. Thomas needs to stop making these declarations. He's only had memory for five days. So yeah, he's going to think everything he does is like the biggest and the most and the worst or the best. He's going to eat a freaking apple and be like, you know what? I'm pretty sure that's the best apple I've ever had in my life. No, you no, it's probably not. You can't be sure of that. Stop being so sure of things. And then just after dark, Chuck brings him some dinner and a big glass of cold water. Again, they're walking around with glasses of water, like through the glade. 
I just can't imagine someone walking around with like cups and glassware. That's not a done thing. Unless you're boozing on the streets of New Orleans. I don't think you're meant to carry around glassware. Put it in a bottle, a transportable bottle. This is madness. And Thomas says, thanks, feeling a burst of warmth for the kid. Oh, he loves the kid, hates him, but also loves him. And every time we meet Chuck, we've got to ruminate on how much he loves him slash is annoyed by him. And so he's just hoofing into the food and Chuck goes, uh, you're disgusting when you eat. It's like watching a starving pig eat his own clunk. And so now he's back to hating Chuck and he's like, oh, that's funny, Chuck. You should go entertain the gravers, see if they laugh. And then I guess that was like hurtful. Like, I don't think he said anything that bad, but a quick expression of hurt flashed across Chuck's face, which made Thomas feel bad. This is a roller coaster of emotions, this relationship. They're clearly like people who hate each other. You know, when you see like a couple that have been together for years and years and you're like, well, they obviously love each other, but they also obviously hate each other. And you just know that they want to break up, but also they can't break up. And they end up just being like annoyed by each other. And you're like, why are you still together? That's Chuck and Thomas. And Chuck says, well, that reminds me, you're the talk of the town. And he's like, what? What's that supposed to mean? And he's like, um, obviously because you went into the maze and you weren't supposed to. And then you turned into some kind of freaky jungle dude climbing vines and stuff. And then you become one of the first people ever to survive an entire night outside the glade. And then you kill four gravers. Like, yeah, people are talking about you. And then Thomas feels a surge of pride. And then he's sickened by the happiness he'd felt at getting all of that attention. And he says, ah, well, tricking them to go over the cliff was Minnow's idea, not mine. And Chuck says, well, that's not according to him. He saw you do the wait and dive thingy, then had the idea to do the same thing at the cliff. Also, the talk of the town is that brilliant move that Thomas did, where you wait and then run in a different direction. Crazy, crazy. Everyone's just so impressed by that. And Chuck says, what you and Minnow did, oh, freaking unbelievable. And so then Thomas, mood swing Thomas, he tosses his empty plate on the ground and he's angry and he says, well, then why do I feel so crappy, Chuck? Want to answer me that? So even when he's expressing rage, it's through the form of a question. Is he a Jeopardy contestant? Because everything he says is in the form of a question. And Chuck, who's just been put on the spot, He's just been asked a philosophical question. He's like, I don't, I don't know. I guess we all feel crappy. Like we're stuck in a fucking maze, Jagwad. And so then they're sitting in moody silence and then Newt walks up because yeah, there's only four characters in this book. There's Thomas, there's Chuck, there's Newt, there's Albie and that's it. Everyone they're talking to, it's always just Newt or Chuck and Minnow and, and the coma girl and Gally. Okay, so there's seven characters, seven characters. Oh, and Frypen. Okay, there's eight characters. Name another one, I dare you. Name another character, I bet you can't. It's meant to be hundreds of boys in this maze, hundreds. At least a hundred. I mean, people do die every now and then, but at least a hundred boys. And he's not talking to any of them. Oh, okay, well, there is Zart and Winston. All right, well, there's a few more, but you know what I mean. Whenever he's having a convo, it's just Chuck and Newt. And Newt says, I think the worst part's over. The bugger should be sleeping for a couple of days, then wake up okay. Maybe a little screaming now and then. Yeah, sounds delightful. And Thomas says, Newt, what's he going through up there? Seriously, I don't get what this changing thing is. And Newt goes, you think we do? And he spat it, throwing his arms up and then slapping them back down on his knees. So everyone's a moody McGee. 
And he says, all we bloody know is if the grievers sting you with their nasty needles, you inject the grief serum or you die. Has anyone fact checked that? If you do get the serum, then your body wigs out and shakes and your skin bubbles and turns a freaky green colour and you vomit all over yourself. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. I'd say, you know what? I'll risk it. Don't give me the serum. You know, like if someone's developed a serum to help you live, maybe there should be less side effects. It wouldn't get TGA approved is all I'm thinking. And Newt says, is that enough explanation for you there, Tommy? And Tommy's thinking, well, not really. (laughs) You can tell he wants to ask more questions. And he does. I mean, Newt really made it quite clear that he doesn't want to say anything else. He's got no other answers to give. He's pretty much said, shut up, Tommy, and cut it with all the questions. And Tommy goes, why am I calling him Tommy now? Anyway, so Thomas says, oh, I know. Yeah, that sucks what your friend's going through. It's um, must be really hard for you. But why do you call it the changing? <laughs> Just can't resist slipping in another question. And Newt goes, oh, it's because it brings back memories. Just little snippets, but definite memories of before we came to this horrible place. Anyone who goes through it acts like a bloody psycho when it's over, although usually not as bad as poor Ben. It's like being given your old life back only to have it snatched away again. And Thomas, instead of just, you know, listening and processing that, he goes, are you sure? (laughs) Are you sure? Like, yeah, I think he's pretty sure. And Newt says, sure about what? And he goes, are they changed because they want to go back to their old life? Or is it because they're so depressed at realizing their old life was no better than what we have now? Like, okay, calm down, philosophy major. And it's giving me very like Oprah. Were you silent or were you silenced? Are they changed or are they depressed? And Newt says, well, the Shanks who've been through it never really talk about it, but they get different. They get unlikable. I can't stand to be around them, aka Galley. And Chuck goes, tell me about it. Galley's the worst of them all. And they all laugh about Galley going through this horrible process and turning into an asshole. And so Thomas, he thinks I'll ask another question then. And he goes, anything new on the girl? I saw the medjacks feeding her. And Newt says, nah, still in the buggin' coma or whatever it is. She takes the food, seems to be doing all right. It's kind of weird. And so then Thomas is thinking again about the inexplicable feeling of connection with her. Can we just wake this bitch up? I'm getting so sick of not having her awake. Has anyone tried slapping water on her face? Playing loud music? Play Harry Styles music. That'll wake her up. I mean, you can feed her. Has anyone given her coffee? Just a little bit of caffeine to pepper up. Somebody wake her up. Come on. And then Newt's like, ah, well, anyway, before we, uh, you know, get to anything else, we've got to figure out what we do with you, Tommy. And Thomas is like, what do with me? What are you talking about? And he says, well, you're a bloody shank. You turn this whole place upside down. Half the gladers think you're God. The other half want to throw your butt down the box hole. A lot of stuff to talk about. And he's like, what? Wait, what? He didn't like that. He doesn't like everybody talking about him. Well, he sort of does, but he doesn't like them talking shit about him. And Newt says, don't worry, you'll find out tomorrow after the wake up. And Thomas is like, oh my God, tomorrow again. Why do you guys always delay things? And Newt says, I've called a gathering and you'll be there. You're the only bugging thing on the agenda. And then Thomas is like, what? And Newt just walks off. He said, that's enough. I've left you with a little tidbit. I bid you adieu. And Thomas is thinking, why in the world was a gathering needed just to talk about him? Why in the world? I don't know, because you've fucked the place up. As people have pointed out to you quite often, 
Shit's gone crazy since you arrived. Someone tried to kill you, then he got banished. You went into the maze, you killed four grievers. Yeah, a lot's been going on because of you. So yeah, they're gonna talk about you. Anyway, that's the end of the chapter. Then we go to chapter 24. And so chapter 24 starts the next morning straight into the gathering. Thomas is sitting in a chair, worried and anxious, and he's facing 11 other boys who are seated in chairs arranged in a semicircle around him. And then, oh my God, it says, once settled, he realized they were the keepers. Like, what? Well, of course they are. I think we've already been told that the keepers are the ones that hold gatherings, but oh God, he's slow on the uptake. And Galley's a keeper. So he's like, oh shit, not Galley. And they're in a room in the homestead that he's never been to before. And it's just a room, a stinky old smelly room with no windows. And Newt's there. And he's sitting next to Albie's empty seat because Albie's sick. And Newt says, in place of our leader, sick in bed, I declare this gathering begun. So that's confirmation that Albie is the leader. Remember when he's like, oh, I'm not the leader. I'm just a regular old shank like you guys. Well, no, he is the leader. And Newt says, as you all know, the last few days have been bloody crazy and quite a bit seems centered around our green bean, Tommy, seated before us. And Thomas is like, oh my God, so embarrassing. Oh, all eyes on me in the center of the ring. <laughs> and Galley says, he's not a grainy anymore. He's just a rule breaker. So Galley's got it out for Thomas. Hilariously so. And Newt says, Galley, Try to keep some bug and order here. If you're gonna blabber your shuck mouth every time I say something, you can go ahead and bloody leave because I'm not in a very cheerful mood. Since when is Newt ever in a cheerful mood? And so then Galley's folding his arms in a huff. And Newt says, the reason we're here is because every loving kid in the glade has come up to me in the last, oh God, I hate the way he talks. Come up to me in the last day or two, either boo-hooing about Thomas or begging to take his bloody hand in marriage. Also, they've got gay marriage in the glade. That's cute. That's nice. That's progress. And so Newt says we need to decide what to do with him. Let's talk one at a time. Galley, shut your mouth, Galley. You'll get your turn. Let's start with you, Zart the Fart. Zart the Fart. As if it's not tough enough being called Zart. We're now in an official meeting and the chairperson is calling him Zart the Fart. That's not okay. Call him by his name. And Zart the Fart, he says, well, I don't know. He broke one of our most important rules. We can't just let people think that's okay. But then again, he's changed things. Now we can survive out there and that we can beat the grievers. Oh, okay. (laughs) He's just, you know, changed everything. People will still die from the grievers. I mean, they got kind of lucky. Also, someone's controlling the grievers. So I think the grievers will adapt. And relief floods Thomas. He's like, oh, finally, someone on my side. He didn't exactly say that. Um, (laughs) he did say that, you know, you should be punished as well, but he's like, oh God, I love Zart the fart. And he made a promise to himself to be extra nice to Zart, which is sort of gross in itself as well. Like you're only nice to someone because they were nice to you or someone only has value once they are on your side because you were an asshole to Zart the fart previously, but now you're going to be nice to him. And then fry pan gets up and he goes, Shank's got more guts than I fried up from every pig and cow in the last year. What? And he paused as if expecting a laugh, but none came. Oh, fry pan. Oh, stick to cooking, bud. Comedy's not your strong suit, fry pan, old boy. Fry pan says, how stupid is this? He saves Albie's life, kills a couple of grievers, and we're sitting here yapping about what to do with him. As Chuck would say, this is a pile of clunk. Okay, I'm sorry, what? Record scratch. They're quoting Chuck when they say pile of clunk? 
Chuck's only been here a month. He was the greenie up until Thomas got there, but he's made such an impact. He's changed their vocab and people are quoting him, even in gatherings where he's not present. As Chuck would say, is Chuck the most popular guy in town? Did nobody say pile of clunk before Chuck got there a month ago? All this time we've been quoting Chuck? And Thomas wanted to walk over and shake Frypan's hand. He just said exactly what Thomas himself had been thinking about all this. Yeah, of course you would think that, Thomas, because you're Thomas. You're not exactly impartial here. And Frypan says, put him on the freaking council and have him train us on everything he did out there. And then everyone erupts. Everyone's like, what? That's fucking crazy. Everyone's talking over themselves like it's the Council of Elrond. And Newt's got to rein them all in. And he's like, everybody shut up, all right? You'll all have your say when we vote on it, all right? Even though he's going one by one asking them to speak on it. (laughs) So yeah, okay. They'll all have their say eventually, is what he's trying to say. And some other kid with a freckly face, he says, I don't really have an opinion. And Newt's like, oh, geez. Lots of good it did for us to choose you for the council then. We got a dud over here. And he goes, sorry, I honestly don't. I guess, if anything, I agree with Frypan. Why punish a guy for saving someone's life? And Newt's like, so you do have an opinion. Like, okay, can we not step off this kid's neck? And then next up is Winston, keeper of the blood house, who gave Thomas the creeps earlier. He says, I think he should be punished. No offense, Greeny, but Newt, you're the one always harping on about order. If we don't punish him, we'll set a bad example. He broke our number one rule, proper noun, capital N, capital O, capital R. He says, I think he should be put in the slammer, proper noun, capital S, for a week with only bread and water. And we need to make sure everyone knows about it so they don't get any ideas. And Gally's like, woohoo, yes, great idea. And Thomas is like, rot roll. And then two more people speak, one in favor of Frypan's idea, one for Winston's idea. And then Newt speaks. So I love that the chairman's getting a turn as well. So that's great. He says, I agree with a lot of ya. He should be punished, but then we need to figure out a way to use him. And he says, I'm reserving my recommendation until I hear everyone out. Next, okay, Freckleface didn't have an opinion and you pressured him. You bloody backed him into a corner, forced him to say something. And then you were like, oh, so you do have an opinion. And then when it gets to you, you're like, oh, I'm just going to step out of this one, guys. Talk amongst yourselves. We'll circle back to it and I'll just give my opinion at the end. You're getting off pretty slick there, Newt. And even Thomas, he's already figured an opinion. He's like, oh, I hate this idea of punishment, but you know, I did break the number one rule, so it does make sense. (laughs) Thomas is so level-headed all of a sudden. So then they go down the line, some for Thomas, some against Thomas. And then he's starting to get agitated because he's like, they're talking like I'm not even here. And it's like, yeah, you're on trial, buddy. I don't know if he realizes it yet, but you're on trial. So then Gally says, well, I've made my opinions pretty clear. And it's like, okay, noted. Next. And Gally's like, no, 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 I still want to say something. (laughs) He's like, oh, I know I've made my opinion clear, but I want to make it clearer. And it's like, oh, fuck, go for it then. I guess we're never getting to lunch. And Gally says, just think about it. This slint head comes up in the box, proper noun, capital B, acting all confused and scared. A few days later, he's running around the maze, proper noun, capital M, with Grievers, proper noun, capital G, acting like he owns the place. I think it's all an act. How could he have done what he did out there after just a few days? I ain't buying it. And Newt goes, what are you trying to say, Gally? How about having a bloody point? I mean, I think he was getting to it. He was making a series of points. 
I'm on Gally's side if you guys haven't picked up on that yet. I'm team Gally. And Gally says, I think he's a spy from the people who put us here. Same. Absolutely same. Agreed. But then there's an uproar in the room and Newt has to calm everyone down. But Gally's still going. He says, we can't trust this shank. Day after he shows up, a psycho girl comes, spouting off that things are going to change, clutching that freaky note. We find a dead griever, who wasn't dead. Thomas conveniently finds himself in the maze for the night, then tries to convince everyone he's a hero. Well, neither Mino nor anyone else actually saw him do anything in the vines. How do we know it was the greenie who tied Albie up there? Okay, bit of a stretch. I mean, who else would have put him up there? I know the gravers have arms, but I don't really think they're looking out for Albie's best interest. Does he think what Ben's still running around in the maze? I mean, he may be, but okay, Gally, that's a stretch. Gally says there's too many weird things going on and it all started when this shuck-faced granny showed up. No, it started when you all showed up. It's been weird for years. He says something's not right. And until we figure it out, I officially recommend that we lock his butt in the slammer for a month and then we have another review. He says, I'm dead serious. How can we trust this shank after less than a week? Quit voting me down before you even think about what I'm saying. And then for the first time, Thomas starts feeling empathy for Gally. He did have a point. (laughs) Thomas would not be good at defending himself. He is so easily swayed. Every time someone speaks, he's like, you know what? I see their point and I agree with them. And then someone will say the opposite thing. And he's like, also a good point. And so then it's Minnow's turn, last but not least. And Thomas is like, oh, good. Minnow and I are buds. It'll be fine. And Minnow says, I was out there. I saw what this guy did. He stayed strong while I turned into a panty-wearing chicken. Panty-wearing chicken? Okay, there's nothing wrong with wearing panties, Minnow. A lot of strong, courageous people wear panties, and I just want that out there. It's time we stop putting panties down. He says, no blabbing on and on like Gally. I love that he slid a dig in there. I want to say my recommendation and be done with it. I nominate this shank to replace me as keeper of the runners. And that's the end of the chapter. And I'm thinking, okay, Minnow, slow down. (laughs) Keeper of the runners. He's not even a runner yet. That's quite the promotion. He's not even been trained as a runner. And now he's suddenly the keeper. Minnow, you're crazy. You're crazy, Minnow. You're bloody crazy. Well, that's the end of the chapter. Let me know your thoughts. A lot happened. And I will see you guys next week for the next batch of chapters. Meanwhile, if you wear panties and you feel like you're a strong, confident person, please let me know. Hashtag panty patrol rise up. We, we got this. Us panty wearers. I mean, I don't wear panties. Uh, I mean, I consider it. I, oh, what am I talking about? Okay. Anyway, I'm going to go before I start, I don't know, putting on panties. All right. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.